right now on Amplified, the Engineers Journal podcast, we're about to meet the CEO of Ethos Engineering, Greg Hayden. Engineers are often accused to be not very fun-loving. They actually said the two most boring professions are engineering and accountancy. My wife is an accountant, so that probably says a lot for us. Hello, my name is Dusty Rhodes and you're welcome to the Engineers Ireland podcast where we're chatting with our community of creative professionals across the country about how engineers are delivering sustainable solutions for society both for now and in the future to come. Joining us today is one of the founders of a company which has spent the last 17 years doing some amazing work with data centres in particular, as well as smart buildings for offices and accommodation and plenty of other things. He is a big believer in innovation and continuing personal development. And aside from his engineering degrees, he has recently added AI, blockchain and Internet of Things qualifications to his training. For a very real look at engineering today and tomorrow, it's a pleasure to welcome the CEO of Ethos Engineering, Greg Hayes. How are you doing, Greg? How are you doing, Dusty? Delighted to be here. So listen, give me give me a quick overview of uh, Ethos Engineering, where you guys are at in the market. Um, as you said there, Ethos Engineering, uh, 17 years old. We still think we're, we're very young guys and girls. We started out in 2005, three really good years, and then the... Um, the whole crash happened and we found ourselves in the to survive in the Middle East and North Africa like many other Irish companies. And we were probably the first to start implying again back in 2010. But I suppose what we learned then was that never rest on your laurels and always look to reinvent yourself. Uh, so we're always changing. In ETOS is all about change. Everything we do, we actually embrace change. It's been a roller coaster. It's been up and up and down last seventeen years, but it's it's a fantastic company full of fantastic people. Tell me what kind of what are the main areas that you work in? Well, as you said, there it's data centers, smart buildings, corporate headquarters, nearly all different sectors. And in the last two years, we started our own digital consultancy. So, tell me, what is the company plan then for the next three years? Right, we, we launched um, a whole rebranding of Ethos last September and we've done a course for Enterprise Ireland uh, called Global for Growth and out of that we got our five-year plan. The, the whole five-year plan was to double the size of the company within five years. It was also to bring up the next level of Ethos leadership. We talked to our clients and asked our clients, our top clients, what do they want from Ethos? A lot of our clients wanted innovation. They wanted us to bring something fresh and something new. So uh, our whole plan was, you know, everything we do had to be innovation. It was to bring value, it was to look at problems, our pain points, our clients' pain points, and see can we actually look at ideas to solve those problems. Um, so the next five years is all about doubling the size of the company, bringing people on board, getting people being inclusive. With innovation, everyone has to be part of it. It's not just a innovation team. Like from graduates coming in to me, CEO, everyone has to be involved. So we have an innovation wall at, at Ethos. People put up ideas of how can we improve how we operate internally? How can we offer better services for our clients? So the next five years up to 2025 is to be the most innovative MEP company in Europe. 
Getting new projects in can be challenging because everybody wants it. You know, it's a, it's a big job and there's so many things that have to be done. But then when you have clients also saying, we want something innovative, <laughs> it just kind of adds on to it. How do you handle that challenge? I think, I think we're very, very lucky. We're, we're working in many different sectors with many different clients. And it's really what you see with different clients and taking some ideas and bring it to somewhere else. So innovation isn't creating something. To me, it's not creating something new. It's taking a, an idea that you see somewhere else and reapplying it. Of the projects you're working on at the moment, which is posing the biggest challenge or what's the biggest challenge you're facing? Without naming I, names, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose um, there's a number of challenges and we, we all know. I suppose the, the biggest challenge for all of us at the moment is saving the planet, climate change, decarbonisation. And, and we all have our roles to play in that, all different sectors. And I think the solution around that is, is collaborations, working together, not pointing the finger, you know, at different sectors. And if we actually look at that of everything we use, we can curtail our consumption of limited resources. And then you look, you bring in innovation and, and you look at ideas of how can we do things better and everything driving towards sustainable solutions. So I think those three things mixed, you know, data, innovation, sustainability, but doing it in a collaborative way is the solution. Do you find the clients are coming to you saying that they need sustainability? And as a, I mean, a company is being very capitalist about it. It's all about profit for shareholders. Why are they interested in sustainability? I think I think everyone has actually woken up to sustainable buildings, uh, the way forward. I think the way we built things in the past, we can't do that going forward. And everyone is aware of that. And I think there's a freshness about it. It's not greenwashing. Everyone wants to be part of it. And the clients we're, we're working for, they're very forward thinking in their products and their, their solutions and their buildings. And they want them as, as green as possible. You've spoken quite a bit about data and internet and numbers and statistics and sustainability and, and the whole thing. Uh, and data centers and smart buildings is a, is a big thing for you in your professional life. What, what attracts you to that area in particular? I think limited resources attracts me. And I think how we use our resources, if we really, it's like being in a car, you know, you need to know, you need to find out you're driving your speed, you know, the air temperature, the air temperature. You need to have all these facts and figures. And I think if you know what you're using in real time, you can actually curtail your use or make better use of your resource. Where if you don't know, you're going to consume and you're going to consume. So, I think what drove me in, in is actually the technology of say like there's a lot of what we even do in ethos engineering that's repetition. So we can get something that's that we don't have to do. Young engineers coming in, young female and male uh, graduates coming in that they don't have to do the repetition work that we can get technology to do that for us, whether that's you know AI or machine learning to do the repetition and they feel their career is progressing more because they're, they're not just stuck sizing pipes or sizing ducks, you know, day in, day out. They're actually adding real value at a very early stage of their career. And I think to embrace technology and to bring that into our business, I think construction is absolutely ripe for digitalization. So we're embracing that. And you, you mentioned there during lockdown, and, you know, I found a little bit of, of time on my hands. I, I, I studied um, 
three different courses in MIT in Boston and, and one of those being blockchain and another AI and the other internet of things because I knew a little bit about them, didn't know a whole lot. And I always find in life that the more you study something, the more you realize you don't still fully understand it. But uh, we're working there. We're working there. And we're very, very lucky that we have clients that are pushing that same agenda and they don't have all the solutions. They know we don't have all the solutions, but together we're getting there. So with all of this digitization, you've got more information and you cut out a lot of the repetition for the uh, designers as well. In reality, how does it make a difference to a building, say a regular building that would have been built, let's just say 10 or 15 years ago, not, the, not, not an ancient building, and something that will be deemed a smart building now? I mean, what's the real difference? The real difference is to know what's going on within your building in real time. And you don't even have to compare a building back in the day to now. If myself and yourself had two different houses and we built exactly the same, how I use my space and how you use your space is going to be totally different. The user experience, what you want from your space and what I want from my space is probably going to be totally different. So it's trying to tap into that. How do you use your space? How can you better use your space? How are you using the energy in the space, the quality of the air in the space, and then tweaking that to the user's requirements to get the best user experience out of their built asset? When I think of smart building... (laughs) Because I'm more the consumer end, I'm thinking, you know, kind of Alexa and turn on the lights and that kind of stuff or whatever. When you think of smart buildings, what are you thinking? Well, probably like that. It's, it's, uh, it's having a mobile phone here. It's, it's everything that your smartphone can do. So you, you should be able to, like, walk into a building and maybe only have your, your phone that, you know, you can, you book ahead, you book your space. You don't even have to touch the elevator. You, you offer your phone up to the elevator, that will take you to the floor. There's that link that say, by the way, there's a vegan in the house, so make sure there's that food ready. You know, if you're cycling into work, that there's enough cycling stations for everyone to park up their bike. So it's absolutely everything of how you use your building and how you'd like to use your building. So even in, in the COVID world, you know, where you don't want to touch anything, you can make that possible. If you want, um, like at the moment, we, we, we're actually finding in our own space Areas in, in our office are very un, underutilized. So now we can repurpose that for something that would be utilized an awful lot more. When COVID hit us, of course, everything changed and all of a sudden everybody's discovering Zoom and uh, working from home. And then now it's kind of rolling back to working in the office or a bit of a hybrid. Uh, you guys are quite proud of the way you work. You refer to your office as a, as a digitized office or a living lab. Can you describe to me how it works? We were trying to drive the digital agenda for our office. And at the same time, COVID hit. And we brought some smart people in uh, from other other sectors to look at our office and look at how can we make this smart? How can we use it better? And we, we, we made a living lab to just record anything that we can record in real time on the air quality of, of our office, but then also how to use our office I think we had everyone back in our office now. The office isn't big enough for for everyone. So when you want to go to the office, you book your desk. You can book your parking spot. You can actually see who else is in. Maybe you want to work with one of your co-workers 
and you need that a little bit of collaboration space so you can find out who else is in there and maybe I'll book the table beside him or her because I want to I wanna work with Dusty. We're driving the digital agenda, smart buildings for our clients. Where better to start than our own office? So we're finding out how we're using our own office, how we should design before. I would have always designed from my experience. Now I'm actually designing from the information that we're getting from our space. And it's a, it's a different way of designing. So we're very proud. And then we put the office um, through for the well performance rating. And we're the only business in the world that has actually got that benchmark for our office, where we're measuring the quality of water, air, temperature in real time. We know what's actually happening in our office in real time. And then we can tweak our office to make it more efficient or more better experience for the, the user. For you as a managing director and the man who's kind of at the top looking down, how does this then improve things for the company? That's a good question. I think um, I think all of our staff feel they're on the cusp of something very fresh and very new. And I mentioned to you that we're driving the innovation idea. And to us, like it's innovation with capital I that everyone has a say. I started my career... Dusty where I said, well, how, how are things done around here? And could you change this or could you change that? And I was actually told, well, get it back into your box because, you know, you're, you're only a young guy. You don't have any experience and we'll tell you how things are, are done. Um, and we wanted to turn that on its head. And um, we always have, but we have an innovation wall, a digital inno- innovation wall. And from grad up, you know, we're saying, put your ideas down. You know, what do you hate about you're working in ethos. Put the ideas down of what would you change. And not all ideas make it all the way through, you know. Some, they won't get there, but an awful lot of really, really good ideas are coming from the young people that are coming from college and they're saying, okay, this this business is going 17 years, but would they not consider this or would not consider that? And some of the ideas that are coming out are absolutely fantastic, unbelievable. And they're saying back to us, we can't believe that I'm just coming from college and the CEO and the other executive directors from ETOS are asking us grads, how should we run our company? Let's move on to data centers because, you know, ETHOS are very involved in data centers. Now, this, this is a three-pronged question and I rarely ask them, all right? <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> data centers, are, they're known for being power-hungry, okay? And it's been in the news and everything. Can you tell us how power-hungry they are, why there's been an official pullback on them, and how can you design them so that they are more sustainable? They're the three things I want to ask you about. Starting with how power-hungry are data centers actually it's amazing there's there's been an awful lot of data center bashing and it sort of really really gets to me right because you have to decouple the data from the center right we all know that data is the future and the use of data will actually help us curtail our use of limited resources and that has to reside somewhere but there's a lot of people out there that would welcome the cloud but then they'd give out about data centers and they're doing, they're doing the same things. So, uh, and for a lot of the clients, clients we, we work with, they, they're all about investing in renewables. They're, you know, they've, they've a role in, in uh, to play in stabilizing the issues that we have with our grid. And to me, they're the powerhouses of digital solutions. So 
it's a difficult one because I I think there's so much good that comes out of data centers, but you have to start with why we're collecting this data first. I think if you roll it back 10 or 15 years, we all had our comms room. We all had our own little data centers in um, our offices. And that was so, so inefficient. So now they're all, it's, it's being collected. It's, it's being centralized. It's run by people that really know their business. They're really, really, you know, energy conscious. So it's going in the right direction. But you need the centers for the data. So it's kind of like even though they're they're sucking up so much energy with the use of the the actual computers and then the aircon and everything to to keep them cool for the benefit that we get it's like a factory isn't it yeah essentially yeah. um why has there been an official pullback in Ireland where they're kind of going right no more data centers for a while it's the lack of power isn't it we 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 haven't invested in our network in our power network for a very long long time so back in the day we put big investment into you know, our roads across Ireland. And we need the same investment in, into our energy infrastructure. Why are so many of the data centres in and around the Dublin area? I suppose like any business, you, you know, it's, it's clustering and people want to be beside people that they do business with. When you're looking at data centres and data centres around the world, they're all in different cities, whether it's, you know, it's Frankfurt, it's Amsterdam, it's London, it's, it's Paris, and it's Dublin. And if we drive them out of Dublin all the time, maybe the, the centre doesn't come to Ireland, it goes to Frankfurt or it goes to, you know, Amsterdam. But how realistic is that, or not even how realistic is it, uh, how big in the global scale when it comes to data centres is Ireland? How popular is it? It's very big. It, like, it's, it's, it's one of the big five in Europe. That's what I was going to say, yeah, we're, we're way up there. We always punch above our weight, us Irish, I love that. Uh, my third part then to that question is, how can we design data centres so that they are more sustainable? Well, this is happen- happening um, day in, day out. Uh, does the, um, as I said, they're, they're very forward-thinking clients. They're getting their energy, green energy. They're looking to run their facilities as, as efficiently as possible. They're coming up with new, innovative solutions. So that's happening day in, day out. And our first data center we designed was probably around 2008. And that's miles away from what we're designing now from an efficiency point of view. It's so, so much more efficient. Can you give me an example? Just the the energy use, the the energy use for the cooling. It's come down so much over, over the years. Personally speaking, you live by the motto, innovate or die. <laughs> God, that's very angry. I bet you even have a T-shirt that says innovate or die on it, do you? <laughs> well, I have to, it's, I, 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 I stole that uh, phrase from, there's um, a lecturer in, in DCU, uh, Fergal Brophy, yeah. um, who we've done a bit of work with. Back in 2019, we, we were doing the Go Global for Growth course with, uh, there was awesome, probably, 10, 15 other companies looking at Go Global for Growth with Enterprise Ireland and all the different courses we've done, that's the one that grabbed me and Fergal had that statement up, innovate or die. And I just realized that we never, you know, when you think of innovation, you think, yeah, I can innovate for a product, but can I innovate for a solution? It took me a while to get my head around that. And then I was thinking, you know, we've been innovating or changing since we started in 2005. We just didn't call it innovation. And to me, it's like, what got us here won't get us to where we want to go. 
So we have to change. The world is changing so, so fast. And not only keep up with it, you need to surpass that and you know bring something new and fresh. And the only way you can do that is innovation. So it's finding the pain points, whether they're your clients or your, your own pain points, coming up with ideas, always coming up with ideas, and then evaluating those ideas and putting them together and mixing them with technology and coming up with a solution. You've mentioned before that you studied a, a couple of things that are going to become enormously important in engineering, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, blockchain, and uh, IoT, which is the Internet of Things. How do you think engineers should be thinking of these digital assets or tools when they're thinking about buildings in five or ten years' time? I mean, when you put your, your little Black to the Future goggles, how do you see the world in, in, in 2050 applying the artificial intelligence and IoT? Yeah, I, I think, to me, it's to embrace it, um, not to be scared of it. It's, you know, there's this whole fear that AI will take all of our, all of our jobs and time. Like that's that's not going to happen. It's going to take away what we don't like to do, and then leave us working on the areas that we do like to do. So to me, it's 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 embracing it, it's using it, and not being scared of it because I, I think it is the future. We have limited resources, and and people are are so limited. There's that whole debate of uh, has has the world population topped out? So we we're seeing shortages since. COVID in all different sectors where businesses cannot get the talent, they cannot get people in. And I think that's just going to get worse, dusty in time. So we have to embrace the technology to take on those areas where the technology can do them and maybe do them an awful lot better than us. And there are probably areas that we don't like to do anyway. Give me an example in your own engineering office because you had mentioned before where repetitive tasks are being taken away from people and allows them to be more innovative and creative. So what kind of repetitive tasks are you using AI and IoT, et cetera, et cetera, to do? Oh, it's, um, it's anything from any of our sizing calculations in our buildings where there could be so many cable sizes, so many duct sizes, then when you bring all that together into one building is to find out where all the clashes are. So there's a lot that, if there's certain rules that can be followed, AI or machine learning, you know, can do it an awful lot quicker than us doing repetitive stuff. So really that's where we're using that. We're trying to come up with ideas where we can bring in that technology that takes away our day. So nearly have to deconstruct what we do day in, day out and then see, can this be done better with the use of AI or machine learning? There are three quite complex areas. So Internet of Things, my understanding is like the Alexas in our lives where you can set it to turn the lights on and off um, or, or draw the curtains if you've gone that far. Artificial intelligence is, as you say, where it's monitoring and taking all the data and it's then able to kind of predict how many vegan meals you need next week, that kind of a way. Um, blockchain then is a whole world to itself. Do you think that engineers should be looking at these areas as part of their CPD? Yes, without a shadow of a doubt, definitely. It's very new to a lot of people, but it's very, very new to engineers. And I think clients are looking for these solutions. So we as engineers have to understand this technology um, and the capability that it has to allow us to apply, apply it to our day-to-day -day service offering and to bring those solutions to, to our clients. 
And is this something that you look for when you're taking on new people at the moment to see if they've already studied that in college? It's a very good question. What we've actually found since we've gone down this route is that we're taking on people that we wouldn't even even considered that they had a role in our company. So we're taking on people that, you know, maybe not engineers, maybe they've come from, they come through the IT route or they've come from physics route, science route, that they're not mechanical, electrical engineers, but they have a role to bring this whole jigsaw together and to offer this, this service. Um, yeah, so I think it's actually opened up a whole new horizon for us for the quality people that we can attract into ethos. So are you aware of any particular subjects or courses that you would like to see prospective engineers getting interested in? The ones I've done in, in MIT are very good and very short. They're, I think they were nine-week courses each. And you didn't have to travel over there for them, no? No, didn't have to travel. At the time, you did, they did want you, you know, it was nine, I think one of the weeks you were meant to travel over, but because of COVID, we didn't. It's online learning. You can do it at your own speed. But then at the weekends, you have to do your homework and you have to submit your homework. It's quite intense. You balance that with your, your home life and your, and your work life. But it covers a lot of the areas very, very quickly. Let me ask you about uh, Engineers Ireland because, you know, they're very big on, uh, on career development. What's one of the most useful things that you've gotten from being in Engineers Ireland? I think personally... You know, it's probably me and, and the company. Personally, it's probably engineers aren't to get asked me to get involved with interviewing would-be charter engineers. And it was absolutely fantastic. So you'd sit there with two other two other engineers and you'd have young people coming in and they're putting their careers in front of you and you're helping them along to become chartered. I found that very rewarding, personally. Uh, and then for the company, I think it's the, the whole CPD. You know, it's their continued professional development and the log and we've embraced that and in, in, in ethos and I think Engineers Ireland do a great job in that. Just before we wrap up, is there anything that I haven't asked you about you'd like to talk about? Probably haven't asked me about my work-life balance and I've three young kids under 10. I like doing CrossFit, I like doing skiing. So balance that all up with your business and running your business doing what you like to do in life, looking after your family and getting that right. I think that's what we're all, that's what we're all aiming for. And I, I have to say with ETOS Engineer, I thoroughly enjoy working with them and I get the time and we're hoping that everyone that works with us finds that time. So to push that, we actually, um, it was one of our innovation just before COVID, we brought the whole office together and said, right, we're really going to drive innovation. What can we do differently? So here's a, task for you. How can ETOS get down to a four-day week but offer better service to our clients so we have a three-day weekend because we all want to spend time with our family or do what we like to do. And we came up with some brilliant ideas. And then COVID hit and, we, you know, we didn't think that you could work from home. But then we had over 100 people working from home. And we've done that, like probably everyone else, we've done that over a space of, of two weeks. So now we're in a stage where we haven't got down to the four-day week yet, but we're doing a nine-day fortnight. So every second Friday, uh, the good people of Ethos Engineering are off for a free Friday. And we make up that time over nine days. By how? I think going back to working smarter, not harder, collaborating with each other. There's a lot, I think, we do as engineers 
that we spend time on and it's not adding value to our clients and it's not adding value to us. And it's done because it was always done that way. So it's trying trying to find out how can we do this differently and not spend so much time but offer better value to our clients. So we're challenging anything we're doing, we're challenging and we're asking our staff, challenge the way this is done. Is there a smarter way of doing this that'll take less time and will make us more productive? So we're not quite there yet, but we're we're getting there. If I'm an engineer and I want to achieve the four-day week or the nine-day fortnight, whatever it is, okay, and I want to work smarter, not harder, yeah, give me one idea that you have applied in your own company that would help me achieve that goal of the four-day week. We close the office every second Friday. So it's not a choice that, you know, can I go for this this week, but I have to make up the time. We're trusting people. We'll make up the time. We'll make up the. We'll make up the tasks. I, probably the best way to answer that. It's like I'm not really, really interested in people doing the time. I'm interested in them getting the task done and and the client being happy, and their fellow colleagues being happy, and they're delivering. So, hopefully, that's done in less time than a normal working week. So every second Friday, we we we, we close the up. Now we explain this to our. It, it to our clients and all of them embraced it and all of them are quite happy with it because we were concerned that we're not around on the Friday. So if we were delivering a job that would go out on a Friday, we say to our clients, well, you're getting it on Thursday night. You're not getting it on Friday. So we, you get it a day earlier. Um, so it's working really well and it's been embraced by all of our staff and it's, you know, allows them to have that three day weekend and they're coming in refreshed on the Monday and energized and ready to go again. I had an actual time management tip that actually works because you know the way they normally go, only take a calls from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and it doesn't work in the real world, <laughs> all right? Here's one that actually works and it actually falls in exactly with what you said works for you. If you have a particular thing you want to do in your private life, okay? So say it's you want to go for a walk, get in a walk every day. You put the walk in on your calendar, between two and three o'clock or whatever it is you're going to take, all right? And that takes the priority. So then when people are saying, look, can we have a meeting at such and such, da, 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 can we talk at two o'clock? You just look in your calendar and go, no, I'm busy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> all right? Yeah. So you do your work day and then you do your walk, which is also I- important. So it falls in exactly what you say. Uh, and that's why I smiled when you said, we close the office every second Friday. So it's like all of a sudden, everything has to work around that. Yeah. And I think that's brilliant. And I, I think uh, to your, I do exactly the same as you. So I do CrossFit and I do it maybe most times at 10 o'clock yeah. in the day. Um, so I have that in from 10 to 11. There you go. You do it already. <laughs> that's a meeting that I, and it's very easy when things are, you know, getting very, very busy to, you give up looking after yourself. You give up that walk that you said, or you give up that time of going to the gym. But if you put that in to your point, you know, you make that happen. It has been very illuminating and an absolute pleasure to talk to you, uh, Greg Hayden, on our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dusty. If you'd like to find out more about what we spoke about on the podcast today, you'll find show notes and link details in the description area of your podcast player right now. And of course, you'll find more information and advanced episodes on our website at engineersireland.ie. Our podcast today was produced by dustpod.io for Engineers Ireland. And if you'd like more episodes, do click the follow button on your podcast player so you get access to all of our past and future shows automatically. 
Until next time, from myself, Dusty, thank you so much for listening. Take care.